Hello, and welcome back to the Encouragement from Women podcast, where we seek to be an encouragement through practical application of scripture. I'm your host, Haley Shoemaker. Today, we are going to be talking to Renee Bryant about her family's story of loss. Renee lost her husband of 26 years to a stroke in 2017, and despite the tragedy of her story, she has allowed God to work through her to be a blessing to others. Even if you haven't experienced great loss in your life, there are going to be many incredible truths that you can take away today, so maybe grab a pen and some paper. You may want to take some notes. Before we get started with the conversation today, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about Covenant Eyes. We live in a crazy world, and there's a lot of content out there that we don't necessarily want to be hearing or viewing. There is a resource that can help you guard against unwanted content called Covenant Eyes. Covenant Eyes helps you and the ones you love live porn-free through transformative accountability relationships. To get a 30-day free trial, use the code EFW. That's code EFW for a 30-day free trial. All right. Well, welcome back to the Encouragement from Women podcast. I'm so glad you've joined us today. Today, I am very excited to be speaking with a very special lady. We're talking to Renee Bryant, and she's going to be sharing a little bit about what her and her family went through a few years ago and what they learned from it. So Renee, thank you so much for coming on. I so appreciate it. Um, And for our listeners, uh, this is a special lady because this happens to be my husband's aunt. So I'm very excited for you to be able to tell your story because I've seen you and your family live through it with such grace personally. So I'm excited for the, our listeners to be able to hear about it as well. So thank you. Thank you, Haley. I'm so glad to be with you today, and I've really been looking forward to it. Thank you for the privilege of being here. Okay, to start off with, can you tell our listeners your story? That sounds great. Um, So we have to backtrack just a few years. Um, Back in April of 2016, um, my husband and I were living very busy lives with our four children. Uh, my husband actually traveled quite a bit for his responsibilities um, as a college promotions officer. And so in April that year, he was out in Denver um, just doing some connections with some alumni. And I had taken, it was spring break week, and I had taken our youngest daughter up to West Virginia to see her oldest brother. And we just stepped away for a few days. And um, Greg actually flew back from Denver that um, afternoon and was going to come to the airport and pick us up that evening. And he never arrived at the airport. And so I had called our um, second son, who was a college student at that point, and told him, to go home and check on his dad. It was actually Master Sunday. My husband was a huge golf fan. So I just kind of assumed that he might have fallen asleep watching the Masters, (laughs) (laughs) which wouldn't be a surprise. (laughs) But um, so Cody got home and realized that there was a problem and it's, you know, I could go into so many details on how the Lord just orchestrated everything that happened. It was a really, really hard night um, to go through because it took a while for them to figure out what had caused the problem. Um, He was pretty alert when we got to the hospital. In fact, he realized that he hadn't come to the airport to get us. So that um, at that point was encouraging, but his speech was slurred and he tried to move and just wasn't, you know, could 
couldn't get off the um, the table that he was on, and so it took a while for us to figure out exactly um, what the root of the problem was. And so um, I remember one of the first conversations that I had with the doctor here um, in Pensacola where we live, and he came to us and said, there's nothing we can do for him here that's a hard thing to hear from a doctor. And so I knew at that point, you know, he gave, told me what the options were and what, what we had to look for. Um, but they knew they had to get him some help because the, um, what had happened is he had an aortic dissection, um, and it was right above his heart. And so that put his heart in jeopardy. And also it created a problem where if the dissections should continue, you know, um, it could create further complications. So he told us either we were going to Vanderbilt or we were going to go to end up at UAB Birmingham. Um, and it would just depend on who had a bed open first. Mm. So we spent the night in the ER just waiting for a bed to open. And... Yeah, it was a lot. Um, the Lord along the way has just provided um, for each step, obviously. Um, so we ended up in Birmingham for three. For We were actually in Birmingham for six weeks. Then he was in rehab for six weeks. And then we went, I brought him back to Pensacola. He spent about six weeks there. We went to another hospital for rehab. So it was just a series of hospitals. He um, actually was in the hospital for 15 months after his stroke. Um, he was either in rehab, um, he had to have several surgeries, and 15 months after his stroke, I finally got to bring him home. Hmm. Wow. So that was in June of 2017, and then he lived until September 11th that year. So we're coming up on the five-year anniversary of his passing. Hmm. Okay, so you had said that you and your youngest daughter were there in the airport when everything happened, and you're kind of hearing what's happening, taking place um, from talking to your son, who was actually there, who found him. So if I could ask you, at what point did it kind of dawn on you that he didn't fall asleep, there's something much bigger going on, and, and this is really happening? We, when we were standing outside at the airport waiting for him to come and he didn't come, he was always early for things like that. That was part of his responsibilities for his job. As time went on, my heart just started to sink a little bit. But because I had my daughter with me, I was trying not to let my brain go there. Right. Um, but when Cody called and said... Um, you know, he had found him, he had fallen on the floor and couldn't get up. Um, and he had to call the ambulance and he was going to send our neighbor. Why I didn't think to call a taxi and go home, you know, God, <laughs> I, I thought through some of those things now, but in that moment, you just like your brain just goes on autopilot and you don't yeah. think about that kind of stuff. So yeah. I think the Lord, even in those moments of stress or distress, guides our thoughts 
and our hearts to the thing that he has for us. And I, I know the devil would let, would want me to go back and question all of those decisions that I made, but I can't allow my thoughts to take that path because mm-hmm. it's not going to help him. It's not going to help me. And it doesn't honor God because you know, from the very moment that we realized there was a significant problem, you know, we have chosen to trust. Mm-hmm. And it's a choice. I mean, we get to choose. We can't choose our circumstances. Um, God often will change our hearts instead of changing our circumstances. Mm-hmm. And we just have to trust that he knows what's best for us. And wow, that's what we do. That's really good right there. Awesome. Okay. So that's quite the story. That's quite the tragedy to have happened in a family and especially a family that's so young. He wasn't very old mm-hmm. um, and and definitely not expected at all. So if I can ask you then, did you face any emotions through the process and through all the rehab and the month long stay in the hospitals and all that? Did you face any types of emotions of um, resentment or or any emotions of doubting God and his purpose through it all? For me personally, I think the biggest emotion that I've had to face for me personally, I think one of the biggest emotions that I have had to face is just the feeling of being lost Mm. because Greg couldn't help me anymore. He couldn't do anything. And instead of relying on him to, you know, log me into our bank account, which I locked myself out of three times, by the way, and had to get (laughs) new passwords when we, when a stroke first happened. Um, I learned very quickly not to do that. (laughs) Um, you know, just simple things like passwords and, Mm. It just the things that he took care of and I had to take responsibility for everything and the feeling of the loss of the relationship because I couldn't have conversations with him. Mm. That's been a really, really hard thing to process and to deal with. And so, I mean, I'm a pretty independent person, but still not having that that source of feedback or guidance. Um, And so the Lord has had to teach me that instead of letting myself feel so lost, I really have to take it to God. And the other thing that the Lord did along the way is he brought family and friends and new people um, into my life to kind of step into those roles to some extent, not completely because that relationship will never be restored to the way it was. Um, But he's filled some of those holes um, with the people that got, that he wanted there at that moment Mm -hmm. Uh, for that season. Some were just for a season and some have become, you know, lifelong um, friends and family that have come along beside me and just supported me along the way. But I have to tell you, you know, things that I used to look to my husband for, I definitely look to the Lord for a lot more. And, and it's a good lesson to learn because, you know, some of those things I probably should have been looking to God for to begin with anyway. (laughs) Well, yeah, that can be, uh, something to learn for anyone 
uh, in, in a marriage relationship is making sure that you are putting the correct responsibilities on the right person as far as not expecting your husband to fulfill those needs that only God can. I think that's definitely something that is easy to fall into for any wife. Um, and, and no matter how independent you are as a woman, there's going to be some, some pretty big holes that are left. And so that's pretty incredible to see how God brought in those people to fill those holes as you were talking about. And I'm sure that was a huge source of comfort for you. Were there any other aspects about the process and the ex- whole experience that you were able to find um, sources of comfort? What, what, what were the things that brought you comfort and s- some type of rest, emotional rest mm-hmm. during some, <laughs> I'm sure, pretty crazy emotions throughout that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so if if you're familiar with our story at all, early on, the Lord began to give me songs that I would use in like the social media posts. Um, but literally, a lot of times I would wake up in the morning with a song in my heart that God had just placed there or that a friend would share with me um, mm-hmm. through a comment or a post. Um, and so what I had learned early on Um, as a young girl and as a young lady in college and just through the years of teaching, um, God brought those things back to mind when I needed them. And it was really neat. Sometimes it would be the same song for several days and sometimes it would be a new song every single morning. But the truths of those songs, I read a sign once that said music often bypasses our brain and goes straight to our heart or something like that. And it's so true because it just, it reaches our soul. And so music, now I've gone through seasons where I haven't tapped into music as much and I can tell in my soul that something is missing and Mm -hmm. I need to pull it back out again. Mm -hmm. And so, um, just just being willing to, you know, pull up a YouTube video or, you know, find some good Christian music that's going to heal my soul is is was really necessary. The other thing for me personally, just because of my personality, um, I need quiet and solitude in order to just step away and unplug mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. a lot of you know, times we were in the hospital and there was a lot of people there and that was a huge blessing, but it also can be a crutch for not having to deal with emotions and, you know, personal things that just take a lot of time to sort through and figure Mm -hmm. out. One of the things, Haley, I was thinking about this because you were asking, you know, about things that I have learned, um, And I didn't realize until today as I was processing and going through all of this um, again that the conversations that God allowed me to have then and how important they are to even what I'm doing now. And it's just really, it's neat to see how God has allowed what I'm learning through those conversations, either with him or with others, how he's allowing my learning to be layered with my experiences and what he's continuing to teach me. And that's one of the things I really wanted to, I wrote this out because it's, it was so powerful in my mind because sometimes when we have to go back and relearn a lesson, 
mm-hmm. that was like, you know, why am I here again? Like, haven't I already been through this process once before or twice or many times? Mm-hmm. Um, it could be because we are willfully defying what God is trying to teach us. But as Christian women, often our hearts are tender to what God's trying to teach us. And if that's where we are, the other option may be that God is layering our learning to enable us to discover a deeper truth about who he is and what he's doing in our life. And that allows us to build a deeper relationship with him. So when we have to learn something again, I don't look at it as a negative thing anymore because I'm looking for the nuances and for the deeper meetings mm-hmm. that he's trying to teach me. That's a really good point. And when we go through any trial in life, we're definitely going to have to experience a lot of the similar emotions of of doubt and anger and fear and all those types of emotions and the lessons that have to be learned with those experiences are are going to have to be done with each experience right and so your your concept of layering those and building one on the other is an excellent point and a wonderful way of visualizing that how we can um, grow closer to God with each experience and and heartache um just like when you're in school you are a teacher and and you go through school and you're going to have a period at the beginning of your grade where you are going to be doing a lot of reviewing you've been there done that you've learned this lesson before but you're going to learn it and learn a little bit more too you're going to get a little bit better at it even so that's an excellent thought there for sure mm-hmm. um speaking about things that you learned through this process and I think the one that you've mentioned there is a, a very profound statement about what God taught you through it. Were there any other lessons that kind of came along the way um, as well? So many, so many. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> First of all, I learned that through all the waiting rooms that we sit in, sometimes our life is a season of waiting. One season of waiting simply leads to another. Because once we reach a big event, then we're waiting for the next one. So mm-hmm. who we're becoming or who we choose to be in the season of waiting prepares us for the event and the next season. Mm-hmm. And so it's just it's just a process. Um, I've learned that I get to choose who I want to be. I get to mm-hmm. choose how I respond. Um, I can't control the situation, but I can control my reactions and my response. Um, And I can let God work through me in that. Um, One of the things that I've learned recently that I've had the privilege of sharing with some of the people that I work with is I'm learning to take ownership or be a good steward of something, but not take possession of it. Because when I let someone else touch the product or the project that I'm working on, it just gets better. So if I hold it with open hands and let somebody else work with it, and it's such a light, you know, metaphor for life too, when we let God work with it, um, he just, it's so much better. So why was I trying so hard to wrangle it all by myself to begin with? Mm -hmm. Um, 
The other thing, oh, early on I learned to say, I don't have enough information to give you an answer about that yet. (laughs) Because so many times, especially early in Greg's stroke, we were just, it was information gathering all the time. Like we just didn't have answers. Mm -hmm. And so that was one of the things that I learned. Um, I also learned that some little things don't matter for eternity. And if they don't matter for eternity, then I just need to let go of them and give myself some grace and space, as my sister would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so good. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I've learned that the way we spend our days is the way we live our lives. And mm-hmm. when we go through something difficult, um, the way we live from day to day, we're just going to be more of that. It's going to be what we are, who we are on amplified because Mm -hmm. you just, you live on autopilot in those kind of days and it, it just, you know, so who you are, if you don't like who you are now, you can choose not to be that person. Can you talk a little bit more about that as far as, um, because I'm sure walking through the process of of rehab and getting information and gathering information and learning how to live a new life, really, um, it was a daily choice, I'm sure, on what you were going to do and how you were going to be there present mentally and emotionally, even though I'm sure some days it was tough to make that choice. So if you can expound on that a little bit more about um, making those choices on a daily basis, because what you said there about uh, the, the, how you spend your day is really what your life is. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of little adds up to something much larger. So if you can speak on that a little bit more, maybe. Okay. Um, So when some, a tragedy happens in your life, your whole routine is thrown on its head. Basically it's your life is just Mm -hmm. turned upside down. And I think that's why it feels so you, you just feel disrupted. Mm -hmm. And so developing or carrying through little things like taking a walk, brushing your teeth, um, you know, having conversations with your family that means something, Um, Mm -hmm. taking familiar things like we were in the hospital for a long time. I took family pictures and, you know, my blanket and just things that made me feel like myself. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, I did a lot of reading. I journaled, you know, there wasn't, for me, there wasn't a one specific thing. It, I just, I did feel like I was lost a lot of times. Like how, how do you ground yourself in that? So having my family, especially my children around me was very, very helpful. Um, you know, but just keeping some kind of a routine, like we generally got to the hospital at the same time because I knew when the doctors were going to be there, we learned to ask good questions on purpose Mm -hmm. and listen to what they were saying so we could speak knowledgeably about what was going on because, you know, there were so many nuances. Um, 
the other thing that I learned was I had to be my husband's advocate because the nurses change every three days. The doctors are only in, you know, a couple of times a day if you're lucky. Um, Mm -hmm. So I kept notes about what was going on and what we noticed and, you know, just little things like that. That's only, those were the only things that I could control. Right. And so I did what I could um, because we weren't even living at our home right now. We were in another state completely. Um, Mm -hmm. But just developing those kind of routines and, you know, doing your best, eating well, sleeping well, you know, asking for help when you need it. Because sometimes mental, emotional trauma is hard work. Mm -hmm. It's so hard. Hard enough. Yeah. As it is, especially if, like you were saying, if you're not taking care of yourself, like you were making sure that you were, it kind of just um, amplifies the the tough situation, I'm sure. Um, so with that, uh, what you're talking about being points that you learned there, those are some really some incredible life skills that I'm sure you were really able to kind of hone and develop very well, I'm sure, um, that I think is good for anybody to add to their life as far as being able to ask good questions. I think that's a key thing for any type of communication. And so that's something that I'm sure uh, you were able to take away from that whole experience well. And then being able to in turn listen to the answer. That's something really key too. That's that's pretty amazing that you were able to uh, put that on the list of things that you learned through the process. Um, were there any other points that you wanted to mention that you learned through the the whole tragedy? Um, shortly after I brought Greg home and we had him there for about three months. Um, I sorry, yeah. So one of the very I think the very first post that I wrote was called I Choose. And you were asking what I you know, what sustained me and what um you know, how the Lord is just what I've learned through this. And I mentioned earlier the fact that I get to choose how I respond. And I was reading this and I'm like, you know what? I don't know that this has changed much. It's been almost five years since Greg passed. So this this post I wrote, um, it was 15 months. So it would have been in June, I think, um, before he passed away. And... Um, So it's just, just this week. Yeah, it would have been June. So just this week, so June of 2017, we've brought Greg home for the first day since the day he had a stroke for the first time. Through the ups and downs, I've come to realize more than ever, God gave us a free will to choose about about a great many things. I choose to love God no matter what life brings, ups and downs. I choose to respond to events he brings into my life as he would want and bear in mind that he's not surprised by anything that comes my way. God never comes to us wringing his hand saying, oh my, how did this happen? Mm. You know, but I can Mm -hmm. have complete faith and trust that he will work all things together for good. I choose to accept the good with the bad. That's one thing I've learned about emotions, Haley, is how would we know what joy is if there were no pain? Mm -hmm. You know? So we have to take the good with the bad. 
knowing mm-hmm. that he doesn't miss a single detail because we see God everywhere if we're paying attention. I mean, he was in the clouds tonight when I was out for a walk. It was just beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. Even though it scares me to think m- what might be, and it still does, even though it's been five years since he passed, I know what will be because it's his perfect plan for me. He will be mm-hmm. in each step because Hebrews thirteen five says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I choose to be faithful, trusting God with my family, my life, and my love. And he's in heaven now. Mm-hmm. He continues to be faithful to me daily, and I know I can trust God even through every, even though the circumstances may not but what be what I would have expected or planned. Because it's not about me, it's about what He can do through me. I choose mm-hmm. to do my best to live De- Deuteronomy thirteen four that says, "Walk after the Lord your God and fear Him, keep His commandments and obey His voice, and He shall serve Him." And cleave unto him. So I know God made me and he made my family. He gifted me the privilege of living with my husband for 26 years. And then he decided I had had him long enough (laughs) and he took him home. But I'm so glad for the time that we had together and for the wonderful family that I have as a result of it. Yeah. Awesome. What a what an incredible testimony that you have through that being able to have that kind of perspective. That's really good and definitely an encouragement, I'm sure. Um, so going from having your husband by your side and as you were saying, a, a whole new life and and how you've chosen to live your life now, how has doing that without him, how has that kind of changed the trajectory of your life and, and your perspective, your goals and ambitions? How has that shifted now? Yeah, I'm doing things that I never even dreamt that I would do. I have a job that I love. Absolutely. Not that I didn't love my job before. Um, uh-huh. but I really have a job that I love. The Lord took me to North Carolina for a couple of years after Greg passed away. And that was definitely of God because I was able to step in and help a school out during COVID. And the Lord just knew that the skills that I had would be needed for that season. And then he allowed me to come back to Pensacola. And like I said, I have a job that I absolutely love. I get to study scripture quite a bit and I get to work with others. I get to work in a space that's quiet, which is what my heart and soul needs. Um, mm-hmm. and I just get to, get to dig in. I get to have a close relationship with my family, um, because I have the time to dedicate to them that I need to, I can walk outside and be by myself if I need to, I can sit down and read and I have a new grandbaby that I get to play with. It's amazing. <laughs> that is some in- incredible encouragement. Um, that you've shared today. Do you have one final word of encouragement for someone that's possibly just now stepping into that, that kind of first phase of dealing with loss or, or someone that's working through that process and, and is continuing to struggle? What, what is your word of encouragement for them? Yeah. So I've been studying Abraham and Sarah the last couple of weeks um, in Genesis And 
their time period of waiting for the promised son, because obviously it would have grieved Sarah tremendously not to have a baby when she was younger. They had to wait 25 years for Mm -hmm. God to fulfill his promise. And that would have been a really long period of testing and patience for them. Um, Mm -hmm. And so they had to do the hard thing and just wait And so when Greg was um, in the hospital after he had his stroke, we had to do the hard thing and just wait and trust God. Um, And whether or not, you know, the culmination of Abraham and Sarah's story with their son Isaac was when Abraham um, was commanded by God to take and sacrifice him. And to realize that the 25 years that they spent learning to be faithful and trust the Lord was in preparation for that test on Mount Moriah reminds me that, you know, there's a lot of people that are coming up to a storm or a tragedy that they're going to have to go through, or like you said, have just begun one, or they're just coming through but to know that God uses the circumstances in our life to prepare us for those. And they're always happen in his timing, whether we realize it or not. He's always there. He, like I said, he never comes to us wringing his hands saying, oh my goodness, I didn't see this coming. He's in our todays and our, our yesterdays, todays and tomorrows. And he knows he knows what we need and he's going to supply and provide for us um, before we even probably realize that we have a need. It'll, he, he's just there. Excellent. Excellent thoughts from um, you today. So thank you for sharing. Those are some incredible um, points to live by. Definitely an, an incredible testimony of a life that you've lived being faithful and making those tough choices to um, put your faith and trust in God and to walk through the valley with a perspective that everything is in his hands. So thank you for that. Thank you for your testimony. Uh, One final question before we close out today, as I always do, I like to ask a kind of a get to know you question for our guest and something that's um, try to make it a little bit something that's maybe on topic, but more of a lighthearted type question. So if you could tell us uh, now that you are a single lady and and have um, time with your family, as, I'm, as you had said before, uh, what are some new hobbies that you've added to your life or what are some, some different things that you've added in that you find enjoyment in doing? So pretty much anything hanging with my sisters or my kids and my grandbaby, babysitting, probably number one on my list right now because he is adorable. Um, uh-huh. But I also have realized over the years that, like I said, I have to have that quiet time and unplug. So I do a lot of reading. I listen to books on audio when I walk. That's probably my favorite getaway just because I can turn my brain off and I mean, it could be something that's teaching me, but sometimes it's just enjoyable, lighthearted. Let me have fun and listen to this. So yeah, Mm -hmm. I do a lot of that. 
Excellent. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the Encouragement for Women podcast. I truly appreciate your willingness to share what God has done in your life. Thank you, Haley, for giving me the privilege to do that. That wraps up today's episode of EFW. Thank you so much for joining. I hope your heart was encouraged and touched by Renee's testimony. If you would like more stories like this and some daily encouragement, be sure you're following the Encouragement for Women Who've Been There Facebook page. And also check out all three of our books by following the links in the description. They are incredible 30-day devotional books that cover topics about identity, motherhood, and basic struggles we face every day. You can also find those in other things like mugs, shirts, hats, and more on our website, encouragementfromwomen.com, so be sure to check it out. And lastly, if you liked what you heard today, be sure to follow the podcast, share this episode with a friend, and leave a five-star review. That will really be a big boost for our ministry. I'm Haley Shoemaker, and this is Encouragement from Women.